want to hear. People want to hear the banter. We'll record the banter. We'll record the banter. Welcome to Real Pursuit, where two rising real estate agents discuss their success, failures, and overall life. Follow along as they grow their business alongside their growing families. A completely raw and unfiltered conversation about questions you want answered on real estate and life and everything else. My name is Trent Bargy. And I'm Ben Bolton. And Trent, I'd like to say that was extremely well said. When you brought that to our attention today, I was I was actually mind blown that that came out of you. Brought what to your attention? I, I did not think that you would be able to uh, write that. A farm boy from Mississippi was able to write something that that eloquent. I'm a farm boy from Versailles, Ohio. Thank you very much. That's very eloquent, even with my speech impediment I had as a child. So we're good to go. You had a speech impediment as a child? Yeah. I didn't know that. You should tell Taylor. My wife is a speech pathologist, if you didn't know. How much she cost? I'm still working on it. I, you probably couldn't afford her. Yeah, a couple of beers, and I'm, <laughs> I'm back to elementary school. Listen, see, here, here's the issue. This is, this is our first episode. Now we've got it now. Nancy, I ain't got time for this. We are, we are off to a hot start. We've got people walking around our office. Trent's getting phone calls, tells me to put his phone, put my phone off and, and five seconds into recording, he's got a phone, he's got a phone call. So I don't know what, where this is going to go, but, um, what I do want to say is Trent is somebody who does not go into these things half ass. A week ago, I get a call. I get a text from Trent. You want to start a podcast a week later? We've got all the gear that we possibly could need. And Trent has researched 40 hours worth of podcast material. So here we are uh, again, a week later and, and we're ready Don't to mess go around. Don't mess around. Don't like... mess around. So Trent, tell me, um, let's get on topics. Tell me, how did you get into real estate? I know you had a, you had a career, you were in the military and then just the year you decided to start a family, you also decided to start a new career. How did that decision get made? Well, it goes goes pretty deep, actually, way back before that. So <clears throat> me and my wife got engaged. We we're buying our house while we we're engaged. I was getting ready for deployment. I worked at a job I hated. So while we we're going through the process, we had a good agent. She was good. There's things I would have done differently. Being first time home buyer, I felt like there's a lot of information that got better. And every career path I was choosing through college always was meant to help somebody. First, there's nursing, and then it was school counseling. Um, and ultimately, that's when I got into military because our college about lost our accreditation. You actually have your master's in school counseling, correct? I only have to do waste a whole year worth of internship and work for free to get my master's. And that's when I said, well, this is stupid. So that's when I listened to military and got, and got my, uh, became an officer in there. But so when we we're buying our house, it wasn't bad. I just felt like there was a miscommunication. So I quit my job the week I was getting married. Cause I had three months before deployment. Good start. Yep. Wife was all for it. She told me to quit six months ago. I just finally listened to her. Did a little odd jobs, my own business on the side, doing some training. Well, nonetheless, while I was gone and deployed, I just studied real estate. I knew I was getting real estate. Um, talked to our agent, hooked us out about what the process was a little bit. But I just basically watched crap ton of YouTube video. I mean, hundreds of hours while I was deployed because it wasn't anything stressful necessarily. Besides being gone, it wasn't hard. It was just a lot of wasted time. So I spent it studying, reading. I spent a lot of time where I feel like a lot of agents just jump in because they think it looks fun and cool. I was looking at it from a business aspect, dove into it, knowing it's going to take a lot of work the first year. It's going to be dog shit year and we're going to do too well, probably. So that's how I kind of got into it from a previous experience, thinking I could maybe do better. Not that agent did do a good job. I just had my different way of doing it. Got my license, 
start working? I think the a couple cool things to note are a lot of people will probably hear that you quit your job a, a week before deployment and your wife was okay with it and supported it. But let's go a back. A week before a wedding. A week three before months wedding, before deployment. A week before the wedding, three months before deployment. So I wasn't listening. But um, the, the cool part about your wife is she she is an entrepreneur. I mean, she's got her own business, a, a very successful business as well in the area. So was it because she you saw she was able to build something herself that she was so supportive or why was she so supportive just because she trusted you i know trent's gonna do this and he's gonna go all in no podcast it wasn't so much she had a business she knew what it took and i mean my wife works real hard and she will tell you everything works out for her like everything goes really well for her me like if something bad happens it's it's always me but that's cool i work with it her thing was she knew i wasn't gonna just sit on my ass and wait for people calling me she knew like whatever i did like I went into it. So she knew I would work and actually make it happen. So, and real estate was appealing to you because you saw a process that could be changed um, when you were in the process of doing your, your first time or what was it that was so appealing to you about real estate? So it was a process and being able to improve it my own way. And it was also how you could leverage it out to be honest with you. I was like, so I did personal training after I quit my job, I got my license, personal trainer, and I knew then I was like, man, I'm I'm curtailed. I'm not gonna make more than thirty, forty thousand unless I hire other personal agents and then send them clients. And that was too much liability and just too much when I looked into it. So it's always been the business side of things. So I'm like, how can I maximize my time and make profit? And basically, I was looking at one. I like real estate. I love houses. Like everyone else who ever says that gets a license. But more so, I was like, okay, I could. I think I could do a little better differently. Let's say not better. And then I was like, well, I can maximize this. I can do multiple deals right? Make more money and then also hire people underneath me and leverage it out. And it just kind of worked. I had a feel for real estate. I think I do a little bit on marketing side. Um, I felt like it's something I could really excel at. So that's where we are today. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, it's a pretty cool story. And I think the, what's so impressive about you is it wasn't a fail safe. Um, a lot of people get into real estate. I don't think it's a mystery to anybody because it's a last option. You know, they, an, a really successful agent in the area tells me agents get into the business because they, they see on TV, I get my real estate license, I make a million dollars. And that's not the case for me. That actually probably was the case. <laughs> yeah, you Miami boy partying I, and stuff. I, you thought you were going to make a quick check every deal. Yeah. I, I got into real estate because I was home for a summer and my dad said you needed to do something. So I decided to get my real estate license. After college, I did not pursue real estate. I think I had my real estate license for three years before I ever did a single, single deal. And um, yeah, I was, I was very much in the, well, when I, when I, I took a job after out of college that was a, I, I worked for one of the people who are coming after the big scary machines in the real estate world and decided to leave there. And as a fail safe, got into real estate. I said, you know what? Make a million dollars. So how many deals you do while you had your license in college? I, I think I did one deal. And if those people ever listen to this, I am so sorry. I mean, you had a terrible experience and they'll probably never refer me. But I think I did one deal while I was in college, and it was somebody who saw my face online, I believe, through our agent website, said they wanted to rent a house. I said, well, have you thought about buying? And somehow they were, they were able to get qualified and didn't realize it. 
I, this deal went so bad, Trent, and I don't know if I've ever told you the story. You haven't. So it, it went great. We were we were we were very tall. They were happy. They didn't think that they could buy. They ended up being able to buy. And a week before the closing, the other agent called me and said, "Hey Ben, I haven't heard anything from the lender." And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" And they said, "Well, we haven't gotten any updates from the lender about what's going on." And I said, "Well." It's probably because I haven't sent the contract to the lender yet a week before <laughs> closing. Yeah. So I got chewed out pretty hard by that agent, um, rightfully so. And it, it, uh, it, it ended up kind of, it, it, it punched me in the gut a little bit. I didn't realize how tough this business was until, until I did my first deal. And that's, that's, like I said, I, I didn't do another deal for probably two more years. So, so let's go back. You're in college. You did one deal. Wasn't that great? Probably too worried about partying. After college, you went out, got a job for a company that works in real estate. I don't want to say their name. I probably shouldn't say their yeah. name. Um, They're a scary competitor, right? They're coming for your jobs. So after, I don't know if that's true or not. Probably not. But close. <laughs> but close. Um, so you got out of real estate, did one deal. So it wasn't really the main feature in your life. You were working for this other company, maintain your license, correct? Correct. I, I maintained my license that entire time. I, I and for. For no reason, really, to me, I was not practicing. I always had this, oh, I'll, I'll if a friend needs it, but I never, I don't know why I paid the $80. Yeah, I didn't pursue it. I paid the $80 a month fee and often late and did the board dues, again, often late. And nothing's different. Nothing's changed. Okay. So you got the job. When did you decide to quit that job? So how long have you had your license? I got my license in March of 2015. So maybe my time is going to be a little bit off, um, but I got my license in March of 2015. I finished college in 2016, so I had my license for a year. I worked for that company for about a year and a half, and at a meeting, just kind of, it, it wasn't it wasn't working out for me there, um, and decided to decided to part ways. And my thought was, well, I've got this real estate license. Mm-hmm. And so the thing, when I first started, the company I was working for, I was just doing cold calls. So that's what I did in real estate. I just did cold calls. But I ran into trouble really early on in the business because I could, I could make 100 cold calls in a day and I could get these listing appointments and I could, I could take a sign and I would sign that contract and then they would never hear from me again because that's what I did at the last job. Right. I, I would I would sign the contract and then I'd send them off to uh, what they were called success managers and I never had and to worry about a, it. Typical, because I got in sales too for two years right before I left. That's why I quit. Um, where you get the deal done and then you're kind of good after that. You're getting paid. You just touch base once in a blue moon, make sure they sign the renew contract, right? It, it, exactly, if that. And so I had all these people. I, I would, I mean, in my first couple months I put on seven listings and I, I had seven listings call my office and complain about me. (laughs) Um, that's awesome. And it's kind of a funny story, but yeah, that, that I've got my, my story is totally different than Trent because I didn't know, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no research and I had quite frankly, no maturity in this business. Well, you got to understand too, though. I'm 32. I, I, yeah, I was twenty. I was twenty 
23 or 24 at the time. Right. And I, I had other things on my mind. Um, luckily, my, my wife, Taylor, is kind of who... who Your linchpin? Yeah. She's, she's the one who really, who really forced me to, to grow and, yep. and mature. And without her, I, I don't know if I'd still be in real estate. So I, I appreciate her and everything that she's helped me because she, she is the reason that I don't have listings calling my office anymore to complain. Well, I think we can both agree that our women are huge, huge supporters, keep us grounded. And they're the ones that actually make us be grownups and do our jobs correctly. But so I want to go back though, because you just got in and started calling. Like I know you, you hit expires hard. Anyone who doesn't know expires is it was listed, came off the market, didn't sell. Then calls them, gets them back on. They fall off from some of the reason. Usually it's price. Maybe it's some of the photos that, or they just, some people just don't put information, right? Square footage, bedroom, bath, whatever it might be, which is a huge factor in selling it. So you hammered expired really hard. Why do you, what is your, um, why do you go that route? There's a hundred different routes. A hundred different routes. I go by expired because I, to me, I, I'm a numbers guy. So I need to know if I do one thing, what does that equal? So I know from, again, my previous job and they, they, their sales team is incredible and their sales coach and leader of the sales team is great because they are very numbers and I am forever thankful for that day. I, I know that if I make X amount of calls, that equals X amount of listing appointments, which means X amount of listings, which means X amount of sold gives me the exact number. So because right. I can break it down to a simplest form, mm-hmm. that's why I do it. Not because I, if I make a hundred Facebook messages, I'll get this many people. I, my brain doesn't work like that. And it's very transactional. On what'd you go, parts. what'd you go to college for? I went for political science and economics. So I wanted, I wanted to <laughs> economics be, plays in a little bit. I, I wanted, uh, I went to college because I want, I, I wanted to be a lobbyist for big tobacco. <laughs> no, you didn't. I promise you. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted, Are you serious? I wanted to be, why I wanted to be America's villain. Why? I don't know. So now you're seller's villain when you first got in real estate. I wanted to I wanted to wear black suits with power ties on Capitol Hill. That's what I wanted to do. And so then I worked for I and then I went into You wanted to make dirty money. I, I took I took one I took one law class and realized, whoop, that's not for me. And uh I, then at that point I was just kind of well, what do I do? And I worked for a startup where I got to wear t-shirts and play ping pong in the office. Totally different realm. And that wasn't in California. That was in Ohio, right? I was in Ohio. That was Cincinnati, Ohio. So if I, you're listening outside Ohio, we do have ping pong and cool work areas. Sometimes we are, we are trendy here. I promise you. So let's, all right. So you got in real estate. That's why you got it. Let's go back to it. Um, what, what made you driven? I guess. So when we talk about why we're in this business, we have different aspects, how we go about it, obviously how we do our own business. Um, how did you become so driven where a lot of people relax and don't make the phone calls? What's your driving force? What was it? And like, what is it now that makes you make those phone calls? That's a good question. Um, and then I'll turn that question to you. I think my story is a little different than a lot of people. I growing up was kind of a shithead. I, uh, in, in college as well. So I kind of was, I'm trying to think of the best words. I, I had chip on your shoulder. Uh, yeah, I think I think my 
my thing is now that I just, Ryan Serhant in his book, Salt Lake Serhant says that there was a moment when he was on a train because his card got declined over like yogurt and he's running from that. And I think what motivates me is running from the version, the, the really bad version of myself that looking back now, I hate it. I'm thankful, yada, 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 because I went through it and it put me here where I am. But I think the reason I, I, I make the calls is because I never want to be that version of myself, the, the self-entitled, lazy um, version. And that, that to me is what I, I work. But why, do you, why yeah, is it that yeah. you do it? Oh, man, so many reasons. So part of it's fear-based. Mm-hmm. But in like, I say in a positive way. So it's positive in regards to I hate failing, right? So I went to school counseling in college uh, because after I decided I didn't want to wipe people's asses and work third shift as a nurse, I was like, that's not for me. I'm not going to be happy with that. It's about two years in. So I went to psychology and went for my master's school counseling. Part of the reason was we had this old school counselor. Her name was Owine. Saggy boobs down there like her waist, okay? And she was, she's vicious. She was not a nice person. She retired twice. She was milking the system. She told me I was too dumb. Okay, so I graduated in 2006. So it's not like it's 1980 or 1920s when she told me I'm too dumb to go to college. So she told me that. I'm like, who are you? Like, like what do you know? You never left for sales in your life, right? So that's kind of, that was spite. That wasn't, I went, I went for that spite. I was like, I'll be a school counselor. I'll tell people, Ben didn't turn off his phone. That's, see, now look, I just, was, <laughs> I started this thing and I was yelling at him. And his was on, his was on silent and mine's on loud. All right, so let's, let's go back. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like, well, I can do better than her. And then again, I should have known then that I was like business oriented because my brain kicked on. I started looking up call, or school counseling. There's one per school. It was a job class they're getting rid of because you can't validate yourself. You can't tell people, I spoke to these clients or simple laws. You can't tell them what you talked about. Um, I mean, lawsuit. I mean, think about it. Like kids these days, they say, hey, the teacher touched me. Sometimes they do. Sometimes it's a hot teacher. Sometimes it's not. It's just, I mean, the liability was like, because I was a guy. I was like, am I, our, our head school counselor, she's like, just make sure you have a really good lawyer. You you probably won't ever do anything it, legit. She's like, but if you do get in trouble, just get a real good lawyer, but you probably won't ever get a job in that county school district. So, because you know, once it, it's like anything else in the news, once it's out there, the Jesus. accusations there. So I'm like the average pay for a school counselor is 55. So I wasn't doing it for money. I'd figure I could help kids, maybe steer them in the right direction. That was more of a high school counselor type of guy. I did an internship for hundred hours at elementary school. I just could not get down to their level. And if anyone hasn't been in counseling, because we worked, we actually practiced with other students about real life situations. It is probably the most emotionally draining. All right, imagine a conversation you have with your wife, an hour long conversation about her feelings, about a real topic. And you're, you're done after like 10 minutes. It's not mean. Most people can't focus that long on someone else talking about a serious situation. But if you really focus and like try to feel like be empathetic with their situation, my wife's going to laugh that said the word empathetic. She thinks, I like have nothing of that, but um, it it's absolutely draining. One hour of that, I was toasted in elementary school. I was like, for fifty grand in liability, that in the job market's cutting you anyways. I'm like, that's just not a smart move. Um, so that's why I was in school counseling. I switched out, but it's mostly fear based because I don't want to be a crappy agent to like my clients. I also want to be the guy who only does one deal a month, which twelve deals isn't bad in this market, but. I, I always try to excel military. I was always trying to be the number one officer. I didn't have to be the. That's the difference. Like I don't have to be the number one guy, but I shoot for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I got goals to be the number one in the Dayton area where we're at. 
if it doesn't happen, I can be respectful of that because I know where I'm at and where I'm going. Biggest thing is maintaining and never going backwards. Like I always want to be excelling and moving forward in business, personal life, spiritual, physical, which, you know, Gary Keller, if you guys don't know where Keller Williams, whatever, but he talks about having a good balance. I mean, sometimes you drop the ball in certain areas. Biggest thing is don't drop it in your life with your family because that's the one that doesn't bounce back. So it's about excelling in every aspect of my life I can. And I am very early on still trying to figure out how to juggle that. And so that's also another cool thing that um, Ryan Serhant says in that book is just exactly what you said, that money to him doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. But it's knowing that at the end of the day, you left it on the field in your family, your faith, and in your business. And I think that's that's pretty cool knowing that I, I, you're not you're not leaving anything up to to chance and to say that you wasted energy somewhere that you shouldn't have. No, I mean obviously volume's nice, uh, units are nice. Uh, I don't pay attention to paychecks. I get paid. I said, I mean, what I like to have a three hundred thousand dollar average let's, sale yeah, price. Let's, let's, let's also yeah. let's also I do want to say he doesn't mean that as a douchebag comment. Like he's he's not. The way that you made that sound was like, was it bad? I, the way you said it was like, I've got enough money that I don't worry about the paychecks. Oh, it has nothing to do with so that. So clarify that. So again, it goes back to just being good at what I do. I want to be the guy who not doesn't undercut or anything. I want to just be a solid agent who does high numbers because for me, my goal is to be number one, just like, you know, you, you don't go to the Olympics and win a gold medal for the money because they don't make a lot of money. You do it because you want to be the best of the best no matter how long it lasts. Like, when I was quitting my job like six months before I quit, I barely, I told my wife, I didn't tell her this when we were dating. Every time we went on a date, I lost money that month. That's how like little I was making. I could have done better in my job. You can always do better, but the company, I just wasn't happy and they weren't helping us out at all. Right. If anyone ever tells me to read the book, move, uh, they moved your cheese or whatever it is. I will like go off on a tangent cause that's the dumbest book and the way my company at the time used it to justify them cutting our commission and taking products away from us for making money was the biggest line of bullshit I've ever heard. And I sat in that sales meeting. I was like, looking at pr- vice president, like you're a cocksucker. <laughs> like you didn't move it. I was like, you ate our cheese, you shit on it. And then buried it in a hole. You never told us about it. I was like, yeah. we couldn't find it. Right. And your business, you, yeah. your bonus is looking fat this year. Yeah. Right. And I was just like, I'm not a greedy guy. I want to make money. I busted butt. But anyways, I barely made money to pay bills. Every time I knew my wife was the one, like we both talked about the day we met when we we're down in Cincinnati, some dumb techno club drunk. I was like, I'll probably, you know, marry or whatever. But um, I told her I didn't like I never made a lot of money. She carries around more money in her purse than I ever had in my bank account. Okay, for the longest time. She she, was she already successful with her business at that point? Yeah, she's on Cupcake Wars. So yeah, for those who don't, for those who don't know, which is pretty much anybody listening to this that doesn't know Trent and I. Amy three people. Amy Trent's wife runs Amy Cakes. Clever name, Amy. And it is a very successful bakery that uh, was a finalist. She got second place. She got second is a Harlem Globe Trotters episode. So go watch it. Follow her on Facebook. She has 20,000 people. She's, she's awesome. And I'm not she's saying smoking hot too. Yeah. She's smoking hot. <laughs> the, the story of how Trent met his wife, we'll talk about down the, down the road, but he basically yeah. says uh, they were at the, that techno club, which if you knew Trent, him at a techno club is just not something you would I'm wearing picture. the same boots <laughs> and I tuck in plaid shirt and I was at a techno club. And he, he sees, he sees his wife and he says, I'm going to give me some of that. I'm going to marry her. <laughs> basically. Um, but yeah, I just, so I, I'm not a money guy. I never had a lot of money. Right. 
I, tell, I still make jokes with my wife about stresses me out to spend money unless it's like towards something that's actually going to result that either breaks even or I at least make money. Everything I do, literally me and my wife the other night talked about like, I almost don't invest. I don't spend any money on myself that doesn't do something positive for my family investments. This podcast, like this is fun. Like if we make money on it, that's awesome. But for me, I mean, this is just going to be fun to talk about all our topics, but my goal is just to be successful, be the, try to be the best that I can be personally. My weakness is I compare myself with people. Like I compare with you, you killing it with listings right now. I'm like, man, how can I get that? I'm like, I'm still doing business, so I can't do that. That's like the worst thing you can do is compare yourself to others. Comparison is the thief of joy. I don't know who said that, but a friend told me that once, and I, I love that quote. Yeah, I just posted something about Emma Lett said something like that. You can't compare yourself to others. You got to compare. I mean, every bio, every book in the world tells you just compete yeah, Ma- with yourself. Ma- yeah, Matthew McConaughey, the person I, the person I, uh, what's he say? The person I look up to is me 10 years down the road. I, I, yeah, he has that speech. Yeah, it, you can go listen to motivational speech in Matthew McConaughey's commencement speech. The guy's got, <laughs> he's got words for days. Smooth talking, handsome guy. I know. I mean, I think this world would be better if people just competed with themselves. I mean, there's an essence where you compete with others, right? There's days that I don't want to make phone calls or do better, but been in our office or another guy, Matt, I always walk by their offices. I compete with, they, they'll say something I'm like, damn. And it's not because I'm jealous that they got success. It's just like, I'm mad that I'm not making those calls. I know I need to make to get to get those listings or get those buyers. And let's shoot it straight, Trent. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we're both putting food on our table for our our families and we're both highly competitive individuals. I want Trent to succeed. And if Trent sells 100 houses this year, I want to sell 101 or more. Yep. And it's vice versa, right? Like we both, if there's enough slice of the pie, but I want more pie than Trent and Trent wants more pie than I. So let's not we're both yep. very encouraging with each other. And and we've talked in the past and we've ran into issues where we both had been competing for listings. We're not or, issues. We just, no, no, yeah, we, we'll never, we yeah, thought we, it was awesome. I thought yeah. it was awesome. Cause I want to see who had the better sale, better day. Yeah. So I, try, I don't think people realize I could be better than Ben. Ben could be better than me, but if Ben just has a bad, I've had bad pitch. I call him a pitch or listing presentation where you just, I have phone calls and our team leaders next to us and she just hears me just, go off on myself. Like, what did I just say? I mumbled, I stumbled. I just, I was off script. I wasn't paying attention, distracted. That's the same thing. Like I love competing with Ben and some other guys like, but it's a good competition. It's like on a team. It it is. It is a great competition, right? If I, I know for a fact that if I was slacking, Trent would, Trent would say something that would piss me off and I'd go in there and and he would do the exact same thing. Um, So, I, a lot of agents, I think, will put on this persona that they it, it, that they don't talk about this underlying competition, right? We're in an inherently yeah. uh, our business, right? Everybody super competitive. It's super competitive. Super. Four thousand agents in Dayton alone. In Dayton alone, and we are a small market. I don't, and and we have to be happy go lucky because if we don't if we don't make everybody else happy, they don't bring buyers to our houses. So. It, but I think it's important to talk about. Yes, I want I want Trent and and our you know all the agents that we work with to succeed. And but I just want to succeed more than them. And Trent wants to be yep. number one, and I'm I, I support that. But I want to be number one, and I want Trent to be number two. And I think the funny thing is, we both have different ways of getting there. Mm-hmm. So there, there's Absolutely. a number one agent, and she's killing it. I'd love to know her number. So. 
There's one thing I want to prefer, preference that with. You can be the number one agent, and I, right now, where I'm at as a single agent with a part-time admin, could be making more money, right, as someone who's the number one agent in your market. I mean, one thing we don't get to see as agents, the only thing you see as agents is number of units and the volume. Absolutely. You don't get to see their commission. You don't know if they're cutting commission. You don't know how much they're actually taking. Like, if you're not... If you guys know anything about real estate or don't read the MREA Millionaire Real Estate Agent book by Gary Keller, it breaks down the numbers of how much money you should be spending for lead generation, salaries. Everything's broken down to certain percentages. So if you stick within that, you know you almost see pretty much how much you're going to make. Unless you're in a high tax state like New York or California, then you just need to move. But um, my yes, I want to be number one, but I don't want to be number one so much that it cuts kills my kills my growth and my money, not in a greedy way. I just, I don't want to make $50,000 being number one agent where I can make $200,000 being the 2000 agent. Well said. And to, to circle back to a previous point, Trent, mm-hmm. this business is not get your license and make a million dollars. This is a, no. it, this is a tough business. It, it really is. You are, when you start this business, you are, you are marketing, you are finance, you are advertising, you are sales, you are everything. You are administration. And so it's not worth it for me to go and take on the stress of selling 500 houses in my market and I make less than what somebody selling 100 houses does. So I totally, I, I thank you for kind of clarifying that point. Now, I do want to be number one in our market in sales and volume, but I also want to make more money than anybody else. Right. And we can't see that, but I think you know, if you're not happy with what you're making, there. <laughs> It's this growth problem. My wife's kind of dealing with the situation now with her business. It's like you get to a certain point where you can maximize what you should do on your own. You hire employees and you're going to plateau. You may even go down. It's a growth pain. I am going through it right now. I'm killing myself for not hiring earlier. And I see the we numbers. We just talked about that. We're both, yeah. the, the, these growing pains are, are brutal. And we're honest, we drop the ball sometimes. Mm-hmm. We're, if you're closing like eight, seven, 10 transactions a month, like we are right now, like we just shotgunned. Like I have a coach. To help me in my real estate, Ben doesn't. That's again just how different we are. Like I understand the value of coach. I understand doing. I'm more of a by the book guy, which pros and cons of that. Ben's kind of just does it, which is good too. But I mean, there is just so it's it's hard. I, I don't think people understand. It looks easy, but on the back end, most of our work is done once the transaction starts. Yeah, technically, and our broker says it all the time. Once you get once you get the contract signed, you're you're. Uh, you're done. You're he paid. says, technically, my job is only to get a contract signed. Everything after that is to buy or sell. Now, we don't do that. That's no. not the expectation. But the hardest job is, like, I had appraisal come come in 15000 or 9000 under list price, and we got 6000 in closing costs. So we're looking at a $15,000 spread as the seller's at. My buyers are like, we can't come up anymore. So there's so much work to be done. You can't count your chickens till your eggs hatch. And, it's the only, it. and it's it's great that our broker says that that it's done after that. <laughs> I wish I had his mentality. Well, yeah, I wish I had his mentality. He's smooth talking and he's calm, cool, and collected. But anytime your phone rings after you get that contract signed, it's not a it's not a good thing. Hey Ben, just happy as can be. Everything's right. going well. Anytime your phone rings after that transaction, somebody's putting their stress onto you. And it, it, as an agent. Um, you've got to manage that. So I think what's really cool about this podcast that our, our goal is that we've talked about is Trent and I are, are, are rising. I mean, we've, we just recently really started this business. Um, we're not, 
we are not right now the number one and two agent in our in our board. Um, we're, we're pushing that direction. And what's cool about this is you guys kind of follow that journey as well. And we right. can make a public declaration that, hey, Trent and I are coming for that one and two spot. Yeah, I mean. In our journey first, there. So my first year, I did like no deals. I got my license in March. Didn't do anything until like pretty much almost November, August time frame. I did four deals. Let me brag on Trent real and quick. Did, yeah. So, okay, I'm going to brag on Trent. I'll sit and, here and drink my beer. And I don't, yeah, I don't typically do this, right? I yeah, I'm going to do this just because I, I'm in a good mood, but I, I typically like to talk Trent down and tell anytime I make a compliment to him, don't tell him I said this. But when I first, Trent and I came from the same um, small local brokerage. And when I met Trent, the first thing I saw, my first impression was he was in an office, he was in a suit, and he had his goals written up on the board and like very detailed goals that are not what you typically see. And everybody in the office was kind of heckling him a little bit about it. And because he, he, he was, he was 10 steps ahead of everybody at that point. So either way, he, he, his first year, he does four transactions. I think, am I right to say that Trent? Four to five, yeah. four to five transactions, but he had 32 under contract. <laughs> Trent had taken every punch you possibly can in your first transaction. I shit. I can't yeah, to people not people would not. Yeah, he about that. He was ready to close, and people refused to move out. I mean, he took every single punch you possibly could. And I had been full time for about a year at this point when I was watching Trent go through this, and I was just like, man, this kid keeps getting punched left and right. But so Dude, I, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Every deal I had yeah. fell through. I think it was his first eight deals. And no, it was like first four. First, first four, four deals all fell through. First four deals all fell through. And again, to somebody who was working every angle and trying to manage it, it was not that Trent dropped the ball. It was that these four deals fell through. So I was like, I don't know how he's still in this business. But I ended up leaving that lo- that that brokerage and um, went to Keller Williams. The first thing I said was, you know, there's this guy you got to get, yada, yada, yada. They ended up bringing Trent on and in Trent's first year, his first real year, he did f- first full year. He did 5 million, 5.6, 5.6, not to brag or anything, dude. I gave you five and he gave himself 5.6. Make sure you get that extra 600 grand. Hey, so he, he does that in his first year, which is incredible. It, for, for those who don't know, Dayton, Ohio, average sales price is about 150, 170. So he's doing a ton of units his first year. Um, the second year I'm looking at his board right now, he'll probably be on track to do where are we at 12 million. I'm at if everything closes June 4.7. So he's the at, goal is the goal is 10 million for the year. So he's 75 at, units. So his goal is 10 million for the year, 75 units, which is just absurd. 75 units in your second year. Cause we, we, let's, let's, let's count that first year as a wash, but 75 units in your second year is absolutely absurd. Um, Trent is somebody who will constantly push and he's going to be a great person to listen to as he grows for those agents who are, um, who are somebody else's phones ringing. That's not me this time, but Trent's going to be a great person to listen to. And I'm I'm excited to kind of uh, pick his brain um, through this because again, he did that research before he got here. And, um, so you got, I'm done bragging there. I knew I know in this business, not instant, instant success. I came off deployment. Me and my, my wife was super supportive about it. So that's the biggest thing too. I think you got to think about is my wife was all for it. We talked about it for a long time. She wanted me to do it. 
So she knew there was going to be a downhill before there was ever an uphill. Hmm. But you also got to think, I knew persistence last. Like you can be Great persistent, point. persistent in this business, but you're not going to make money because you're not doing anything. You can sit there. Not everyone's going to die that sells real estate, which they might in the next two years because they're old, <laughs> but they're not just going to die off and you get all this business all of a sudden. You do have to work for it. You understand that you make a ton of phone calls. You wait, you make, Ben probably makes 10 times more phone calls than I do. We just have a different way to go about business. I make some phone calls. I need to step it up. We're always spot checking nonetheless. But I, I read Think and Grow Rich probably six times. And not because I think there's some mystery thing that gives you business. I think you do have to have that positive mindset. Just listen to podcasts with MLA, Phil Mickelson. He's like, I visualize a shot before I take it. And then it's just that visualization. You know, there's studies out there that people who have surgeries and don't can't exercise, if they visualize working out, their muscle actually grows just because of visualization. So I don't see him visualize. I did have the vision board. I had 15 million on there. Average sale price of two to 250, I think. And I think it was 50, 75 units for me to get there. Now I'm going differently, but I mean, the, the thoughts still there. I always think about my goal, think about where I'm going. It's not just half at half ass stuff, half hazardly. I just go through the motions, which I mean, when I first got in, I did all those deals last year. It was great. Cause I wasn't, I was business oriented. I was working towards making the money and the transactions and stuff. I was, I mean, it was fun. But once you look at real estate as real business, it gets very stressful. It gets really hard. And there's a times that's where I think a lot of agents stop and kind of go back and just go and maintain two to four million a year because they don't, you got to get over that hill. You got to keep going. I mean, you got that pinata full of candy, right? You got people that hit it twice and it doesn't break. You got to be the guy that hits it 20 times and wait for the candy to burst out. And that's when everyone wants to work with you. That's when everyone wants to help you is when you've done all the work you're making it rain. And all of a sudden, all these people want to come help you out and work with you to give you all the money. It's like banks. Banks don't want to give you money if you don't have it and you need it, but they will give you all the money you want when you already have the money. You don't need them at that point. So I feel like if people would just, just work hard and actually push through, I mean, they'll be good, man. Everyone can do this. Everyone can be successful, whether it's real estate or anything else in life, but you do have to be consistent. You do have to work hard at it. I mean, you know that you didn't work hard for a while and then you did work hard. So you know exactly what's going on. But that, that goes with everything in life, to be honest with you. And I think a lot of people are getting soft these days, and they're, and they're just not willing to work hard. Like me personally, I have parents who work 40-hour-a-week jobs. I mean, they're hardcore, work at the same place. For 40 years, they'll take care of you, and then you're good to go. That, that just wasn't me. I saw it. My mom hates her job or hated her job. Whatever. Does she still have that job? Yeah, she may not after this. But <laughs> I was like, I refuse. She tried to get me to work there. I was like, I'm not going to work at the place you complained about for 20 years. I lived at your house. I was like, why would I work there? So, I, but that was a positive aspect for me. It's like, without her saying that, I probably would have just gone work at a typical job and maybe never met my wife, maybe never went to go business for myself. Like, working for yourself is great, but if you treat it like a business, it gets a little scarier because you're looking at all your expenses, your costs. But if you do it right and you keep working hard, because in this business, you stop working, it's not, you don't make money. I, I think, I, I think right now, what's really good is that we can keep going, right? I could keep going with this conversation for another four Dude, hours. Hour podcast easy. Which is awesome. But I think we're trying to shoot for a lot more podcasts. So I, I'm going to look at Trent right now because we're doing this off take. Are we wanting to end this? Because I got a good ender right now. We're at 40 minutes. Yeah, we don't want to waste it all on this one. So, right? so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback off of what Trent said. 
with this podcast, we've hit that pinata that Trent talked about that 20 times when, when it starts to really flow and that candy starts coming out. We've maybe hit that pinata three times and Trent talks about the 20 times. The benefit to listen to our podcast is we're going to tell you what those 17 other swings were like. We're going to tell you our trials, our tribulations, and everything that we've done positive and negative throughout this whole process. And that's what you're what you're going to get from this. And it's going to be unfiltered. We're not the number one agents, but I promise you we will be. And that is, that is going to be the benefit to listen to us. And and we, we really appreciate you taking this journey with us as well. Yeah. And then if you guys ever have any questions, feedback, you know, we want to know what we're doing, right, wrong recording, or just topics in general. Our goal isn't to interview top real estate agents, ask them what they do. If we ever interview anyone is to get a different view on life. I mean, other businesses, cause there's, applications in real estate that I think most people ignore business wise that we could definitely talk about. Absolutely. So anything like that. And again, like Ben said, we're just here to real talk, real pursuit. Our pursuit is to be number one in life and real estate and whatever else comes our way. Um, so that's what we're going for. We appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully we get more than two or three people, but anyway, we're still going to do it and have fun. Uh, we're guaranteed. <laughs> we're, we're guaranteed Amy and Taylor. I can't promise my wife is going to listen to this, but at least I think, I think we're good for three. If we, yeah, I'm not gonna tell my mom. No, I don't want. I don't want anyone in her company to know. Yeah, you you can't (laughs) tell your mom, right? If your mom starts passing this around to her company, you just told everybody she hates a job. So maybe that'll be a good thing. Maybe she'll get the axe and she can be happy for the rest of her life. Well, she gets the axe, right? Yeah, she'll get those benefits. That's true. COVID COVID nineteen. If you listen to this five years from now, you'll be like, those people were idiots. They shut down an entire economy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Peace out, homies. And hey, oh, uh, if you're a real estate agent and you have any referrals, Ben at the Bolton Group, KW.com. You throwing your name in like that? Always plug. This is Trent Bargy and Ben Bolton from Real Pursuit. You guys enjoy your day. Peace.